Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Fighting and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. We spend an awful lot of time here on the podcast and on the site itself talking about content moderation issues. But one of the points that I keep raising is that it's really important for people to realize that we've really only just begun to explore the different options for how content moderation is done and how it can work. And for whatever reason, many people always seem to assume that there's basically one or maybe just a few options for how to set up a content moderation regime, uh, with the simplest version being that your only options are to uh, review content, have a, a team of people reviewing it, and decide, leave this up or take this down or, or block the content. Uh, about a year ago, we had Professor Eric Goldman on the podcast talking about his paper on content moderation remedies that looked at a variety of different approaches taken by sites beyond that simplistic leave up or take down concept. Uh, the paper was really focused on what sites had already done. And this was also a key part of the content moderation case study project that we did at TechDirt. And in both of those cases, part of the idea was actually to inspire people running websites or you know thinking about content moderation ideas to explore alternatives beyond just the sort of simplistic concepts of how to do content moderation. Uh, you know, and often part of the issue is that those those systems and those setups you know really involve putting an awful lot of power in the hands of one giant company to hire a bunch of people who have to sort of sit through the somewhat horrific task of sorting through terrible content all day uh, so I'm always interested in new and different ideas for content moderation. And so a recent paper uh, from late last year by Aviva Avadia caught my eye and it's called towards platform democracy. Uh, the paper is not about democratically making each content moderation decision, but more at the policy end of the scale, deciding what the policy for websites should be and you know what they should and should not allow. So I have lots of questions about this because I this idea of, of adding sort of a democratic element to content moderation is really interesting to me, but I could also see ways in which it could go well. Uh, perhaps horribly wrong, uh, but uh, it still seems worth talking about and exploring. So I could give you a quick summary myself, but why do that when we have Aviv here uh, to do that for us? Uh, Aviv is the uh, Technology and Public Purpose Fellow at Harvard's Belfer Center uh, and is the founder of the Thoughtful Technology Project. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mike, for having me on. So Let's let's explain this. What is this concept? What is platform democracy? Yeah. So the basic idea behind platform democracy is just the use of democratic bodies to include populations impacted by platforms in the governance of that platform. What that means more colloquially is like that is again at a very high level governance of the people by the people for the people, <laughs> except within the context of a platform. So a Facebook, a YouTube, a TikTok. And the analogy here is platform democracy versus nation state democracy. And so what, what what does that look like in practice? I mean, so it's one thing to say, so when you describe it that way, like my first reaction is like, um, you know, I mean, democracy takes many forms, right? So it, you know, we have representative democracy here where we have, uh, you know, an elected body that is making decisions for us. Um, you know, there is also sort of popular democracy where it's like referendum based. Like, are we talking about having a, like Facebook Congress that we elect to make these decisions for us? Yeah. So that's like the, the like there are lots of ways in which you can approach it. So platform democracy is a pretty generic term. Um, uh, I talk specifically in the paper about one approach to platform democracy, which makes it viable. Because like elections for who runs Facebook like doesn't <laughs> really make sense. And if, especially if you have 50 platforms, like right. you're like everyone is electing someone forever. And then it's like, is it is it regional? Like it just doesn't, doesn't <laughs> it, it's not really coherent and it doesn't like it just doesn't make any sense. And so like sure. I am not a naive idealist who's like, oh man, we must like democracy things that don't make 
that that where it wouldn't work. Um, I'm looking at specific implementable strategies that have been proven to work in other domains. And so what I specifically focus on in the paper is platform assemblies. Um, and by that, I really mean using this idea of a citizen's assembly for platform democracy. And then, okay, what are citizen assemblies? They're this process for democratic decision-making, um, or at least recommendation setting, that has been used around the world for the last especially 10 years extensively, um, and a little bit here and there before that. And it's getting more and more momentum to the point where we just had in the in the EU and um, the an, an entire EU-wide body um, that is 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 um, that works through this particular citizens assembly style process. So, and I so, can talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say, can you, can you give it? You know, what what happened? How did it work? You know, I, I want people to be able to have a sense of what is what does this mean? Because I, again, like you know. These phrases can be interpreted in a lot of different ways and could mean different ways. So let, let's get to the example. What what happened in the EU? Yeah, so that, that one's actually a little more complicated. So I don't want to start there because um, it, it has it has it okay, had many fine. moving parts. So let's go. It's sort of like saying like we can talk about like voting or we can talk about the electoral <laughs> college, right? Like let's not do that. Let's not jump directly into sure, sure. into So 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 give an example. Okay, yeah. go with it. So, yeah. so 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 there is a whole bunch of people really angry in France like, you know, 2 3 4 years ago. Um you may have heard about the yellow vest protests and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Macron, um President Macron like he needed to figure out a way to, to get through that. And one of the things I did was this whole, this massive citizen participation project. Um, and there were many, many different levels to that, but one of the sort of the linchpins to that was a citizen assembly on climate policy. I think they called it like the climate convention or something hmm. along those lines. Um, and uh, in French though, so I, I can't pronounce it. <laughs> um, and, and the basic idea there was they, they got a representative sample of the, uh, uh, like, of the French population so when you look at the room, there it is like 50% men, 50% women, regions, um, you know, depending on are you rural, are you urban, like all these different criteria. And so just like a polar would do, they, they select people in that way. And they, you know, the good processes that, that do this, they pay the people for their time and they right. provide them with all the support they need um, in order to participate. So childcare, um, if, if there's an online component, then like they'll not only like you know give you a computer or an iPad or whatever you need they'll give you internet access and they'll teach you how to use it right so the equity concerns around mm-hmm. traditional democracy like they actually in some ways are actually reduced in this case because you're because there's a smaller population that's actually making those decisions right um you're able to invest a huge amount into each of those people to give them the time and resource to participate and so then there's this deliberation process so there's sort of two parts to a citizen assembly at a high level. One of them is this democratic lottery or sortition where you're getting, you're selecting people based off a set of criteria in order to make them representative of the population that is being governed. And the second part is deliberation. Um, and there's, you know, many different aspects to that. Um, but the, the basic idea is there's like a facilitation structures um, uh, that that help ensure that you're in small groups, you're in big groups, you're learning, you're hearing from people, you're hearing from experts, you're taught how to actually make sense of the information. Um, like you, you come up with principles often at the very beginning of like, huh. how do we decide what information to even like incorporate into our decision making? It's almost, it's sort of like a jury, but it's a little bit different in that, that you're more of a legislature. And, 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 and what was this in, in France? What, what exactly were they deciding? How, um, um, no, oh, how, so ahead. climate policy. So what okay. should France do um, about climate change broadly? Um, and like, and this sort of came out of people being really unhappy about, about raises um, in gas prices. Right. Um, and so there is a whole bunch of recommendations sort of that came out of that, which some of which have been incorporated, some of which are yet to be incorporated. Um, uh, but, you know, this was a thing that was really um, supported by the government. But again, it, it gave this decision of what to do. The government didn't want to decide because they would they'd get attacked on all sides. Right. Right. And no one want like anyone, anything they do, they'd be attacked. They're like, OK, fine, citizens, you decide for us <laughs> and, um, and, and, because and we how, don't want to be but, in charge of this. <laughs> and, and how did they how did they pick? I know that, you, you know, it was sort of like designed to be a representative sample. But how, how did they how did they get that? 
representative right. sample. So there's a m number of different techniques. Um, and again, like, so I'm speaking generally because I don't remember the specifics. I've read uh -huh. many, many, I mean, there's hundreds um, of these uh, processes that, that have been run. Um, but the way that this generally works is you send out essentially mailers to a rep, like you, you have, you get data, let's say census data, mm -hmm. and you send out thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of mailers to people to say, here's the thing, here's how you're going to be compensated, here's what you're going to do, um, here's why it matters for your country or maybe for your platform um, or for your, your ability to, to, to speak freely, let's say um, uh, online, you know, in, in the case that we might talk about, here's why it matters, here's what we're doing for you. Um, and, um, and then people respond to that saying, okay, we're good, we, we want to participate. Um, and then of that, and, and they, they fill out whatever criteria, if, if that isn't already taken into account, that, that, that would affect the sortition process or that democratic lottery in terms of what are the criteria that they're using to make a representative population. Um, and, and then from that, there is essentially a lottery system um, that ensures that all those criteria being met as much as possible. Right, right. So, um, you know, uh, to some extent, we'll, we'll get back to the the you know applying this to, to the to the internet. Uh, but you know, it reminds me a little bit, and I I don't know if, if you followed this at all. Um, the the whole like V Taiwan process. Have you have you seen what 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 Taiwan has done with with V Taiwan and like they they have this polis software that's designed to sort of like find consensus points among diverse uh, constituents. Um, yes. Have you seen um, that at all? I'm very familiar with that. Um, and actually my incredible RA um, research assistant at, at, um, at the Kennedy school, uh, Yu Ting has, has also been helping sort of navigate that because she's actually from Taiwan oh, okay. and um, has been involved in that. And so um, I did not highlight that in this piece just because there was more work to do. I worked with her after I wrote this uh -huh. piece. Um, uh, and I, but it's something that I've been following for the last, um, at least five, 10 years. Um, and I actually have a separate, um, whole body of work coming out around how to use this sort of thing also for platform democracy. Right. The, the one challenge with this, that technology, um, and these, these systems for democratic decision-making is that on their own, they, they do more like they get your gut opinion right. on what you want. And they, they do though, in a way that, that is really powerful that that allows you to bridge divides find common ground um but it is still getting your opinion as opposed to what um what ian from new democracy one of the the organizations that facilitates these around the world um the citizen assemblies um what he would call your considered judgment right your gut mm -hmm. opinion versus your considered judgment and that considered judgment comes from hearing from a whole set of stakeholders um right. from like really engaging for you know weeks with that material um at the very least to the point that that and from hearing from all the experts from being able to ask questions of all those experts um and from hearing from your fellow participants right. who have had personal experiences that can really inform like oh like my friend got banned from facebook for doing nothing and it was just like we couldn't get it dealt with right right like right. and we just it wasn't like they didn't even do anything they're just like caught up in this sweep when covid came around right like like that sort of thing like that then affects the way that, that you that you see things, right? Where, where it fits for climate change, it's you know there's a whole swath of, of ways in which every every policy decision is going to impact so many people. And so hearing from the re like ordinary people, these are not elites; these are the people who you run into at like the DMV, right. um, where it's it's really a, a jury duty, the really a representative population. It's not just elites who are who are going to be thinking about this. You hear from the elites. Because right. they're the ones who are often informing that that lay body, but that lay body has their own set of experiences, which are incredibly important to take into account too. Interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. So so let's now apply this to content moderation, internet policy, you know, internet company policy. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned this in your paper. You know, Facebook sort of tried this like a decade ago or so, whatever. I forget how long ago it was, where they like put up different versions of their policy and had people vote on it. And like, you know, 
statistically the equivalent of nobody voted for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, you know, is that is that an example of how this doesn't work, or 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 what's different about what you're proposing versus what Facebook tried? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's a great example. The difference between like that is platform democracy, right? Quote unquote. But it, it's it's completely dysfunctional. It's like saying like, oh yes, we're going to vote on every single law by having everyone in the U.S. vote on that. Like right. it it does it wouldn't actually work in practice, and it doesn't work in practice. Right. And so when you're trying to think about how to like change how governance works and improve governance for something like that's much bigger than the U.S. government, right? Yeah, <laughs> like three billion people yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like you you can't you you probably. Like there's like useful and functional platform democracy and there's like completely useless and dysfunctional platform democracy or just like almost like, you know, like, um, I don't know, it wouldn't be greenwashing. I'm not sure what the, what, the, what you'd be washing, what color, right, but, right. but democracy washing. Um, and, and I, I want to be really clear that I don't think that that's not what I'm advocating for. Right. It's really crucial that um, you're using democratic mechanisms that scale in a way that's appropriate to the problem at hand. Um, And this doesn't mean that you shouldn't have federation also to some extent in terms of maybe their regional bodies and their, and their global bodies. Maybe then you have governments themselves who should have some power over these decisions. Um, And maybe that's the interaction. There's a whole set of ways in which this can interact with the broader public. Um, But there's a big difference between like people just voting on policies, like no one, which is not an equitable way to do things at all because no one has time to look at, these yeah. policies. Um, I, 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 yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just like, it's just very different to have, when you th- then get a hundred or a thousand people who are paid for their right. time, they're given all the support they need to understand this. They hear from other people about their experiences with those policies. They have to, they're, they're put through exercises that help them identify common ground amount across that. That's a completely right. different ball game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, t- totally. I mean, it, this, this is silly, but it reminds me when when I, when I was in in uh, seventh grade uh, in in social studies, we we had I forget I forget what the assignment even was, but I know that we had to do something where it's like you know change government in some way, and and I had written this whole essay about like you know effectively like this direct democracy idea that like every law should be voted on by everyone and and my teacher was just like this is a dumb idea like this will never work like it can't scale the whole reason we have representative democracy is because people don't have time for any of this and he really chastised me and i was like you know you know he he was right that it wasn't a great idea but like you know i was in seventh grade man give me a break <laughs> but, but 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 you know I, thinking about it like yeah, you know, I what you what you're proposing is really different. I think it's important though for people to understand the difference. You know, because the the other example that people have when they're thinking about sort of, you know, uh more democratic systems is like, you know, referendums, right? I mean, that's that's normally what what people will talk about when you're thinking about like more democratic decision making and uh, you know, living in California and having seen like our referendum system here and how kind of disastrous it is, I, I would argue, or like other examples of, of referendum systems, like, you know, what, what led to like Brexit in the UK, you know, where it, then it just becomes sort of like a political fight for everything. Again, like that's not what you're proposing. And so I, I just want to make sure like people are understanding, like there there's a lot more sort of uh, set up here where, where what you're proposing is I understand it and correct me if I'm not, if I'm not explaining this back to you correctly, um, is that, you know, bringing, you know, finding these representative or setting up this sort of representative body of people who are, you know, paid for and supported for their time, giving them all the kind of information and support structure that they need to understand these issues, and then having them make the, the sort of policy recommendation on a, on a more informed basis, um, and, and having the company sort of, you know, either commit to that or agree to, to take those things seriously. Is that, is that sort of a description of what you're talking about here? Yes. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And I mean, I, I definitely suggest that anyone who's interested in sort of understanding this process more, really look at the um, the OECD report on the deliberative wave. Um, uh, uh, Claudia, Claudia Schwaliz, if I remember, my apologies if I'm pronouncing your name incorrectly. Um, uh, and it's just, I mean, uh, I mean, it goes into like hundreds of these around the world at every level of government. There's now been ones that are larger than governments, right? You have EU-wide, you have global the Global Climate Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there's, there's this incredibly broad um, sort of evidence basis for this. And there's also a lot of research on this too, right? Like you have, you know, an entire field of, of scholarship devoted to how these things work, how they don't work, always work perfectly, how to address right. those issues. Um, every democratic system has so many problems. And the question is just like, what are the sets of trade-offs that you're making across those problems? Right, right. Um, do, do you think that people would want to participate in, in those kinds? I mean, you know, it's one thing to say like, for, you know, for your country or your region or like, you know, something like climate policy. Um, do people feel the same way towards like, you know, the the web services that they use and the policies that, the, that, that they implement? I mean, there's obviously like a lot of sort of, you know, noise and fury online about how people feel about different, you know, internet websites and their policies. But like, do, do you believe that people would actually enough people, enough representative folks would actually be engaged enough to take part in this kind of thing? I do. Um, and I think um, there's also evidence to that effect um, uh, just from the way that people have engaged in a variety of other um, other processes um, that are similarly like focused toward a particular domain, particular mm-hmm. set of organizational interests. And, and there actually have been some early pilots that have been done by platforms that demonstrate that this there is interest. Um, none of that is public right now, but um, okay. uh, but I think it's really exciting to see that this is actually being explored um, for real, and like the outcomes seem like they're good um, in terms of the quality of the deliberation, the quality of the, of the of like of the entire set of processes on a variety of metrics. Um, do do you fear that if if you set up something like this, that it leads to kind of like uh, more of a homogenized setup, you know, like each website may have different policies because they're trying to sort of build different communities and they have sort of different goals in terms of what it is that they're trying to do with their websites. Um, you know, is there a concern that if, if, you know, a bunch of different websites are all sort of setting up these, these kinds of, you know, democratic committees or, or whatever they would be called, um, that you sort of, you know, that everyone sort of gets pushed into, into the sort of the same result. I mean, I don't, it's sort of like saying like, if everyone set up represent, representative democracies, um, uh, you know, republics, then they would all get the same result. I mean, if so, then I guess that's probably a good thing. Cause that's what the people want. Um, okay. like, I mean, like I, I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned by the idea that people having voice, um, uh, given, you know, all the information they would need and then coming to similar conclusions, like most democracies have decided that free speech is like vaguely good. Um, <laughs> uh, and like, I'm happy with that. Um, right. they, you know, there's a lot of things that, and there's going to be some diversity across platforms based on the specific constraints, just right. like you see in our, in republics. Um, and so that I, I'm not at all concerned about that particular issue. <laughs> Okay. Um, do you have sort of a related concern, which is like, you know, one of the issues that people point out with sort of democratic setups is that oftentimes, you know, a majority may may choose to do things that are against the interest of, of a minority and that can, can end up harming sort of more marginalized people. Now, I, I know that, you know, part of the idea here is to have you know, a, a representative sample involved, but if they are the minority, then they could certainly be outvoted, right? Yeah, so that is a concern um, in any majoritarian institution, right? A majoritarian institution is anyone where fifty percent can determine what happens, and um, and that that's true broadly um, in in democratic systems. The way that this is addressed within at least one school of thought in the citizen assembly world is you actually have eighty um, percent cutoffs for recommendations. Hmm. Um, this is a this is like the New Democracy School. I think Healthy Democracy also, which is based in um, in Oregon, um, uh, like it's all that's also how they run their. So, so how does that work? It. Sorry, I'm not sure I understand. It, so basically, it, it works. Is it is it the 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 only recommendations that sort of that get through? Oh, is um, if they if they reach eighty percent, eighty percent, and the, the reason, and you think that oh, that's impossible. Nothing will get agreed then. But the thing is that the whole point of the set of processes that are around this, the facilitation. It's not like a bunch of people shouting at each other to try to win points, right? right? That isn't like you come into this assembly and you're like, that isn't your, that isn't your role here. You don't have a political motive to do that. 
right? It, right. The entire set of incentives is different for a right. layperson. So, so if you're if you're trying to get to eighty percent, you you basically have to come come up with something that will get consensus, as opposed to if you're just trying to win one more vote than everybody else, which then it just becomes a fight. Yeah, and and again, like that exact number is maybe not the perfect number for all sure. things, but the idea here is that the like the even like the parliamentary rules in some sense are different. Right. In a way right. that that supports you finding common ground. It's similar to the rules for content moderation or recommend uh, sure. um, algorithmic ranking. Robert's rules of orders fall under that <laughs> sort of broad sweep. And this is why I was reading a book on Robert's rules of orders, like when I was getting into content moderation, because I'm like, how does that work? Right, um, right. And and so this is this is a whole different set of approaches toward deliberation. Got and it. Toward finding common ground. So yeah, there's many different technologies here. That are, I mean, not technical technologies, but social technologies that are being put together to sort of get to this new form of democracy, which the proponents are, they're trying to embed it into everything, right? Like right. they're thinking we should change every government to be, you know, utilizing this in all sorts of ways. Um, my, my focus here is obviously narrower. I just want the platforms of 3 billion people to be, to be <laughs> doing this, given the fact that, that, you know, no attention without representation, right? Like, right. Right. <laughs> And again, just to, to sort of understand this, like, do do you envision these kind of like platform democratic bodies? Is this is this like a full time gig for the people who are doing it? Are they are they like having a meeting once a month? How, how, how does how does that function? So okay, so there the standard approach that has been used the most mm -hmm. is one where you people are convened for a particular issue. Mm -hmm. So you have a particular issue, which is let's say. How do we deal? I mean, the example I gave there is how to deal with political ads. Like, right. what what's the policy around those? Another one might be something that's um, more agenda setting. Like, um, like, what are the biggest issues that need to be dealt with and that need, like, you know, tr transparency reports from a platform or that might even, um, like, an agenda setting body, and this is what's actually happening in Belgium um, in, in a region there, is they have one of these bodies that all its, all its purview is is to choose three issues that that year will then get their own assembly, which oh, will then go okay. into the details of those issues and come up with recommendations, right? Huh, okay. Um, it's sort of like the idea that we elect representatives and those representatives then themselves like vote for issues. Right. Right, it's a, it's a two-step process. Um, and again, we don't need to talk about the electoral college, no one wants to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, again, right. it's, it's a multi-step, multi-step processes are common here just because of the, the scaling properties of of democratic systems and um and, and i guess like a, a third sort of application for this might be around values like what what should the values what should the principles of the platform be broadly and right. everything can is downstream of those all the okrs that are being used um all the the um uh, kpis that are being like the, the key results and mm -hmm. and the the objectives that will come out of a set of values and goals and so in an ideal world those would even be determined through this process i'm not I'm not trying to solve like that's like the first problem is how do you get I mean just trying to get platforms who are being bludgeoned at all sides by people um, right. for good reason in many cases let's be very clear here yeah, <laughs> yeah. for very good reason um, but the thing is that there's no there's no winner right if there's like let's say right. in some issues it's the right versus the left well they want to hand it over to someone else who can just decide it and then the right and the left can can complain to the citizens instead right. and so that's <laughs> that that. That's sort of the, the 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 reason why there'd actually be adoption and why there is interest in this by platforms, right? You know, in the long run, there's there's potential for a lot more. Um, and in terms of again, so this the idea here is to go back to your question. So people might just convene for you know two weeks to do this. Right. It might be online over the course of two months, right. like you know every, every one one weekend day at um, uh, every month or one weekend. Um, sorry, one Saturday uh, or every Saturday for two months, right? And mm -hmm. so that's enough time to like really dig in. And there's like an offline forum where they could communicate and like just sort of dig into the issues. Um, but you also have some things like Paris now has one of these systems that isn't just for a particular topic. It's an ongoing body um, with citizens coming in and out, um, you know, through this, through this partition process, through this democratic lottery process. Um, and they're deciding like how a huge portion what a huge portion of the, of the, I mean, it was a huge portion, hundred million, I think francs or whatever the, like, I think it's a, around that order um, hmm. that is going to be allocated by the participatory budgeting process. They decide what the topic is for that. 
So it's a huge sum of money comparatively right. for a citizen body that is literally the way people off the street. Like, again, this is like people off the street, but they're being trained and brought into that. And they can also have things that they bring to the city to say, you need to do, you need to like at least respond to this. Um, and so that's, again, another mechanism. And there's so many more ways in which you can use this, including to appoint people. So if you mm -hmm. want to appoint a public editor for Facebook, right? Like this right. Would be a, a process for doing that, that isn't governed where Facebook doesn't have a say, right? except as a stakeholder, one of many stakeholders, the governments can, can, can help say, we want these people. The Facebook can say, we want these people. Right. And then again, the citizens decide. And I mean, we don't need to talk about Supreme Court nominations, <laughs> but that's an example of a place where, you know, the different parties could nominate different people. Um, right. And then the citizen body can actually decide which of those people becomes the 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 final justice. Um, I mean, do you have a concern about like, you know, when, whenever you have sort of any kind of body that is that is adjudicating things in, in this manner, that like they they become subject to to lobbying efforts, right? Like, so so is there a concern there? Are, are the are the members of these bodies known, or is is that somehow kept secret, or you know? How do you stop like a huge advertising campaign designed to to influence this body to vote in a particular way? So those like you know I I think about sort of the idea like power flows through any obstacle right so you need to think about sure. it's just a question of like how much how quickly how impactful right so there will if this becomes significant right there there might be flows of power um, and, sure. you know, money and attention and all that. Just a question of like how this compares to the status quo. <laughs> and right. like, is it better to have a lobbying campaign that is directed toward a voter who spends three seconds trying to figure out what to do, or even like 10 minutes or half an hour, or they even get together with their friends for, an, for two hours to help figure out all the answers to all these referenda um, as you know, definitely doesn't happen in California all the time. Um, right. um, um, and you're just like, okay, I guess we have answers to these now. Great. Let's go home now. Versus someone who spends 40, 80, hundred hours with peers, with the top experts in the space thinking right. through that those lobbying efforts, they're going to have some impact. Sure. But it's a lot less impact. It's a, it's a very different, different setup. So then on, on the, the flip side of this is, is, you know, how do you get the companies to actually embrace this, right? To, to some extent, right? And so there are all different elements. I mean, you know, this to some extent reminds me of some of the argument that, that I had in my protocols, not platforms paper, that people would look at that and say like, well, you know, no company is going to, to ever embrace that because it's giving up power, right? And, and my argument is like, yeah, but they're, they're getting in so much trouble for having that much power and they're just getting hit on all sides that it actually feels like some of these companies like this is this is the escape hatch for them they don't want to deal with having to always make these decisions so i think that's some of it but you know do you have a do you have more of an answer to that in terms of how do you think you get the companies to to actually embrace this i mean i think that's exactly right like that is the core thesis here is that they're um this isn't like this isn't a thing that platforms want to be thinking about as much. I mean, all that much, and especially when we're talking to, about content moderation policy, they want to be building things. Um, and like, you know, maybe I want platform democracy to be broader, to also be about what they build. Right. Um, but like at the very least right now, this solves a very specific problem that platforms face in terms of being pushed on all sides and not having an out. And honestly, being like when you are an authoritarian government is pushing against you to do X, Y, and Z also, um, being able to, to point at a, a, a democratic thing that then the other, go other governments that are also powerful might actually buy into because of that mandate, it can be right. a lot more effective to, to push back against that. And it can just, it just, it, it, they have backup as opposed to not having backup. Right. Um, right. They, they, and, they can't just be like, well, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg says, which is not yeah. very convincing to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that is like, that's sort of the core here. And I mean, I want like, I mean, from a democratic theory perspective, I want to have my means of communication be governed in a democratic way. Like that's nice, but that's right. like idealistic, idealistic ivory tower thinking. Um, uh, from a Machiavellian perspective, like, 
if they don't do this, the guillotine is coming for them. Um, uh, maybe more compelling. Um, right. And, uh, and that actually, this is, you know, this is a devolution of power in a way that actually supports there may be long-term control over power. And so some might argue that, oh, you shouldn't do this because, but I, I mean, I, I see this as being a really, really, um, it's something that really aligns almost all the interests, at least on these specific set of issues. Um, and some platforms so, agree. Um, and right. so they're, they're excited about this. And if I also want to invite anyone who is a product manager at a platform um, uh, and, and, you know, in policy in the right positions at a platform just wants to be an ally and get this in front of the right people at a platform to, to raise this. Cause even if your company right now is already doing a pilot that you don't know about, um, that doesn't mean that you being there and like sort of advocating for isn't incredibly valuable to sort of moving toward this new regime. And so, yes, please do reach out. And I'm going to just plug here just to find this really easily. I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes or whatever, but yep. platformdemocracy.com is literally the link to get to all this. <laughs> so like, it's really easy to find. Um, and my, and, uh, and my email and, you know, I'm just aviv.me. So you can, you can find me easily. Um, uh, if you want to reach out and my email is, is listed there, aviv at aviv.me. Cool. Um, I, I mean, so, so the, you know, the other element of this is, you know, do, do you think this needs to be set up in a way where, you know, so say, say you get a company to embrace this, um, do they have to effectively have the companies agree to abide by the decisions or, you know, I can imagine some companies sort of, you know, it gets to like the, the way like Facebook set up the Facebook oversight board, which, you know, in some ways has some similarities to kind of what you're talking about, but it's, it's definitely different. Um, but you know, there, there were, there, there, there was some criticism of the way that that board was set up in terms of the level of power that it actually had over Facebook in that, you know, it effectively, makes recommendations and on some of the decisions Facebook has sort of pre-agreed that it will abide by the, the rulings but on some of on the policy recommendations it only takes them under advisement you know how important do you think it is for companies to to effectively commit to what what the these bodies would decide I don't think it is critically important in in the short run at least um, for that I think that platforms will discover that it's actually useful to do that as they mm -hmm. try this, they'll be like, oh, this is actually reasonable. Um, like, and like it, it's, it's helpful for us to, to just not have our hands in the, in, in, in the bowl here. Um, um, but, uh, but I do think that like that, that isn't necessary upfront. Um, and I think it's really scary to say like, we're just going to give a power to someone. We don't know right. what it's going to, what it's like at all. And so like at, during this, this phase of piloting, like I don't expect like the citizen assemblies or platform assemblies to be decisive, but right. like as in they, they are the final deciders. They're going to be more recommenders. Um, and I mean, I think it's actually really interesting to think about the distinction between this and the Facebook oversight board. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've talked to people on the oversight board They're you know, people I've talked to are really excited about this because it is just as the oversight board is, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of reasons, but um, from my perspective, I'll say, the oversight board is an expert advisory board that happens to also have judicial powers. Right. Um, what I'm talking here about here is almost like a legis a, a legislature as right. opposed to a judicial body or potentially a set of appointment bodies, right? Something that, that can appoint um, people who will then execute and then provide oversight over those. And th there's a whole set of models around how you can do that. But th that's that's different from the role that the oversight board has, and the, the oversight board is an elite institution, mm -hmm. and that is really useful in some ways. And right. one of the ways I see it being useful is these are be some of the experts that will be brought in as the stakeholders to be informing citizens like a platform assembly. Um, but you still want to funnel that power through the that that representative population that's what makes it democratic right it, it moves from um from that multi-stakeholder body which you know may not like which can be co-opted in some ways by having like changing who's appointed and this and that sure um within a multi-stakeholder body whereas if it's representative like there's just it's 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 representative like you cannot there there's a there's a lot less avenue to to really co-opt that 
you know, one element of this, I think this is all really, really fascinating. Um, you know, one element that I'm, I'm wondering about is, you know, when, when companies are making decisions, big decisions, sort of policy-based decisions on things, you know, they're driven by specific interests. And, you know, oftentimes a lot of their interests are driven by fiduciary duty to investors and they, they have to, you know, figure out the, the best way to handle that. Does this, you know, I, and I could see certainly, you know, and I would argue for good reason that if you were to put together a body like this, they would be more interested in like what makes a, you know, a social media platform a healthier place for me to get information from or whatever, or for me to participate in the ongoing discussion. Uh, and not so much the kind of, you know, fiduciary interest of like what is going to be best for the shareholders. How, how do you how do you balance those things? Or like, are you concerned at all that, you know, investors might freak out about this and say, well, what if what if this body recommends something that, you know, uh, you know, harms the 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 numbers for Wall Street, um, but you know, in a way that maybe makes the platform healthier. So I, I don't know what what what's your response to that kind of thing. So that is its own incredible podcast, <laughs> which I would love to have, and you should you should invite Rick Alexander, um, uh, who's um, so the there's this this idea of like oh it hurts the shareholders of this company, but the most the largest shareholders in most companies are index funds. Right. Right. And they're pension funds. And so those are incredibly diversified portfolio companies. And so in that case, you don't want Facebook to do well and every other company to like collapse because of like war, <laughs> like, and like, right. and like just incompetent governance. It's like, you don't even have running water anymore. Like that doesn't help your, the, the, the broad diversified portfolios. And this is called universal owner theory. And so Rick Alexander um, has a, an actual, a, a nonprofit called shareholder commons, which is exploring that. And actually they, they've done some interesting work recently on the Twitter acquisition and being like, Oh, what are some ways to ensure that this actually like aligns with the interests of universal owners? Cause Vanguard has a 12% stake right. in Twitter. Um, and so there's like, and, and there's also another piece around this, which is the, the whole public benefit corporation angle. Right. And so I've always been an advocate of public benefit corporations um, status for, um, for platforms as soon as that became available. And it, you know, Zuckerberg could, could tomorrow, like, you know, snap his fingers and, um, and right. he's got a 50% stake in the company. He can just do that. So can, you know, the combination of Eric Larry and Sergey, um, at Google from, from, uh, last I checked. And that gives them the capacity to actually care about the broader set of stakeholders and not just the, right. the fiduciary duty. And so any, any of the, like both for the private companies and for the public companies, like for both for the, the the functionally privately held in terms of voting power, and for the ones that are actually broadly publicly held companies, both of them have outs here. Um, right. And so I, I don't see this being a blocker even under current U.S. capitalist structures. Um, I I mean obviously there might be some stepping stones um, <laughs> that could help support more transformational versions of platform democracy. Right. But also this is just good for. This is good for investors anyway, even for the company itself in the short, because it's just like, especially for issues that are like hot button issues that are just like leading to, you know, significant conflict and regulatory pressure. Um, right. Like it's just good for the company. So it doesn't, yeah. you don't even need all these arguments for most of the things. It's just for the transformational stuff where it really yeah. helps to become a benefit corp, which by the way, there have been shareholder proposals to do that for some of these companies. Um, you know, you should all get your Vanguard to vote that way um, right. if you haven't already. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the argument that I keep making is that, like, uh, and, and nobody listens to me, but like, is is you know, long term fiduciary responsibility versus short term, right? Like, right. you know, I, I think too many companies are so focused, you know, they believe their fiduciary uh, duty is for short term, um, you know, investor interest. Uh, and and I argue that's bad for for long term and long term investors. If if you're doing things that that you know screw over your customers or harm your harm your market in the long term because you have to make your numbers for this particular quarter, that's actually really bad for long term investors because you know you're opening up opportunities for competitors. You're you know limiting your ability to grow. You're, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why I think like if 
people began to recognize like longer term interests of the companies. Right. And I know there are efforts like long-term stock exchange and things like that. But I think even, even for like, you know, our existing companies on a quarterly basis, like people should be able to recognize that, you know, I mean, it's the same thing as like investment, right? You know, companies spend money on investment. They may, might not be profitable, you know, this quarter because they're spending in the hopes of, of future. We should recognize that that doesn't just apply to like direct, direct, you know, capital expenditure and investment, but towards other things as well. It's like, you know, we don't have to squeeze every penny out of all of our users now. Like, you know, we can, right. we can build a company that people want to support. And and so I think you could apply that same sort of thinking to this, this kind of concept as, as well, where, you know, if this makes a healthier company for the long term and a health, healthier platform and a healthier environment, that allows the company itself to be sustainable for itself, then that's actually better for for shareholders in the long run as well. So I, I think there there are lots of arguments there. And, and I want to emphasize though that, that all that is true, and and I agree with that. And you don't even need that to want to adopt this because <laughs> right. it will yeah. also help in the short term. <laughs> Let yeah, that be clear here. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just saying, like you know, I I could yeah, see yeah. people being afraid of like the short term, like what what of these you know votes on something that you know. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to do away with ads, you know, <laughs> like. And, and, well, and that's why there are these hush, hush, I mean, but this also happens to governments, right? When a government sure. convenes a citizen assembly and they're like, they're people pissed off at the governments for all sorts of reasons. And they sure. might, they could come in there and being like, you should, but then that that's, they know, and they're informed very, it's very clear to them that that is, that if they're doing that, they're wasting their time. They're wasting other people's time. There is, there is almost like, it, it, it doesn't like you're brought in to one of these processes, at least one of the ones that is not agenda setting. Um, right. That's like prompt based, and this is what a platform would start with for sure. Because you know, tiptoes. Sure. Um, you're you're brought in there with a mandate, and you have to stick to that mandate within the context of this assembly. And you can you can you can have whatever dissents you want in in the final report, maybe. Sure. But like that isn't that isn't the the goal, and that isn't what 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 are the actual recommendations that are going to come out of that. And so, if you want to have the most impact, you're going to spend your time on trying to build common ground and consensus around the issues that you know that that will actually get that um, and that right. are, are, are connected to the mandate of that, of that thing. Um, and so it, it, it does tend to work in practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, 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 that makes sense. Anyways, it's a really, really interesting proposal. I'm, I'm really like, um, you know, it definitely sparked my interest a lot. That's why, you know, why I asked you to come on the podcast. I kind of wanted to talk it through. So I understood it better. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I appreciate you, you writing it and working on it, trying to convince people to do it, uh, and, and willing to talk it through with me. So, so I understand it. Do, if do you, I can you, add one. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. One more thing. I think one of the things, the reason that I actually started doing this is this, there's this question of like, who decides, uh-huh. right? That's sort of like the, in, in like, this isn't mean for Shoshana Zuboff and, um, like, and that is so fundamental and even like who decides who decides, right? And this right. is sort of an, an attempt to answer that question in this, you know, what um, what Alex Fierce uh, called the no good candidate problem. Um, right. Whereas like you ask people who should censor your speech and it's like, you know, private company, some people think is less bad than having the government do it. Okay, that makes sense. And then right. people say community should do it. Well, then how do you actually do that? And this is, this is an, an attempt to sort of like find a potential answer to this question that is like viable in the face of equity concerns, in the face of like incredible pressure and, and, and resources in the face by, by governments and by private parties. It's like, there's a whole bunch of concerns that need to be addressed here. And, but like the, the, the real motivation here is because the, a lot of the problems in this, this is maybe a place where, um, where we might like partially disagree is that I come from the perspective of like, Oh, protocols would be the right way to do this. Like we shouldn't have anyone in charge. Decentralization is ideal. But over the past 10 years, I've actually moved away from that. Mm-hmm. And I moved toward a world where there actually is some level of global of global governance or like of governance around sure. some of these some of these issues because issues like misinformation um, or just like issues like having a design of your system that supports polarization by by like by design, like that is something that competition doesn't fix, that exit sure. doesn't fix. You only can the only way to fix those things is to have voice. And, it, and to have power over the system that's actually um, uh, being the conduit for communication. And so then I'm like, how do you do that? How do you have voice over a system that is global scale in some cases? And what are the mechanisms that which, which, which can support that? 
so that even let's say even you are using a protocol-based approach, you're still having some way of governing that to actually get to the, the outcomes that allow you to handle the existential challenges that we're facing from climate crises to pandemics. Um, and so that that's the motivation is like, how do you do this sort of governance in this way that then, al- then opens up a whole set of doors that would have been closed if you were going, let's say, on a pure decentralization approach um, or with governments in control or, or, or platforms directly in control? And I can say a lot more about that. I've got a, I've got a report <laughs> on bridging-based ranking, um, which um, just came out also for the Balfour Center, which goes into a, a specific example of like ranking systems that bridge divides and where this all fits into that. But we are probably over time, so I'm not going to say any more about that today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe another time we'll, we'll have you back. And, 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 and like, to be clear, like, I can see how this fits with the the sort of protocol based world, right? I mean, I can see. I mean, protocols have governance as well, and there are lots of you know questions and controversies over how you govern that, and like you know how do you develop a protocol in, in a in a fair and reasonable way, um, and and in a way that sort of keeps up, you know. Um, yes, yes, so for you, sure. You know, you could definitely see ways that that those agree. You know, there there may be areas on the margins that we disagree, but I, I could see how this 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 would work. But anyways, I would as, love as, to see that work. And so I'm I'm excited yeah. that having I haven't delved into that as deeply yet because it's a harder problem. Sure. I figure the easier problem is to work with the monopolies, <laughs> and then you do the protocols are like the second the second level. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean it would be interesting, right? Because you know one of the complaints with protocols is that they're really slow. Right. Yes. And because because there's like this sort of consensus building setup, right. but but that consensus building setup has its own problems. And and you know, like importing an idea like this into that process, I, I don't know. I like I had I hadn't really thought about it until you you sort of brought it up now. Like there might be some interesting things and some interesting elements there as well. Yeah. So. There's a lot of potential and adversarial situations are always more challenging. And so there's lots right. of things that we can go into that about. But this yeah, it's been fascinating. Thank you so yeah. much. No, thanks. Thanks for thanks for all the work that you're doing on this, and and thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. Um, it's given me a lot to think about. Hopefully, it's given our listeners a lot to think about as well. Uh, and um, yeah, we'll we'll have to have you back on to sort of keep discussing some of these ideas. So, um, thank thanks again. Yeah, thanks again to you too. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Grab a shovel and think of the cat. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. So grab a shovel.